Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos. Hey, hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Lance Ecos. And if this is your first time at University of Adversity, welcome. If you are regular, welcome back. Appreciate you guys. Today, we're going to talk about something that is becoming quite a problem in today's society for a few different reasons. We're going to get into depression. We're going to get into how it can affect you in many ways and how self-help itself, although can be useful, doesn't always work for everybody. And our next guest, we really dive into how nutrition, how checking your actual blood work, hormones, all this kind of stuff can have a massive impact on how you feel. That it's not just about positive thinking. It's not just about wishing and and doing affirmations. Sometimes that stuff doesn't work for people and that's the reality. Today I have the pleasure and privilege of, of sitting down with Ben Angel. If you guys don't know who he is, make sure you check out his videos. He's done work with Entrepreneur. He's got tons of videos on, um, on YouTube. He was, uh, he's a best-selling author on Amazon within four weeks with his book, Unstoppable, which we're going to get into. He's just a real wealth of knowledge. He's interviewed some amazing minds, some of the best minds in the health and wellness space, people such as Dave Asprey, Dr. Mercola, Jim Quick. A lot of these people have been pioneers in this game for a while, and he has really taken his knowledge and really dove into biohacking. And he wants to figure out how to function the best way you can through these different hacks, different things you can use for your mindset, and really just how different things affect you. And he's got a ton of videos on this stuff that's and really engaging content. But what we really get into today is we talk about a lot of things with health, um, help from health and wellness to how to create good content on how to really take care of your body and some of the signs to look for in this. So any entrepreneurs listening out there, there's a lot of valuable lessons for you that are going to be tactical, yet you may have to get out a pen and paper and write the stuff down because it's gold. So we do cover a lot in just a little bit over an hour and we do we do take it to a few different areas. So be prepared for some amazing content and to really have your minds blown because Ben is just a wealth of knowledge. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. I hope you enjoy it as much as I had recording it and we'll get right into it. Ben Angel coming up. Ben, welcome to the show, man. It's awesome to be here. Um, man, I'm really happy to connect with you again as we, we had a conversation not too long ago and we dove into so much good stuff that I wish that we recorded that one too. <laughs> but that's always the way it works and I'm really happy to to have you back and to have a real good chat with you about your story because I've been following you for a while. Um, you've done some really amazing things, talked to some amazing people and you know, the stuff that you've gone through and been able to help other people that are going through the same thing is really, really quite awesome. And your way of explaining it is, is awesome as well on camera. So thank you for being here. I'm super excited to dive into your story. Yeah, no, I'm excited to share it. I'm just grateful that it's resonating with people. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, anybody that doesn't know who you are, hasn't come across your content, 
Um, I would love if you could kind of peel back the curtain, go as far back as you like, as you feel would be at value to, the, to anyone listening and kind of explain and fill in the gaps of your story and kind of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so for the past 15 years, I've been teaching self-help and online marketing to entrepreneurs internationally. So I've been running a lot of online programs to help entrepreneurs get PR, social media. Uh, but, and also at the time, I was doing a lot of speaking engagements in Australia, so 40 to 60 events at most years I was speaking at. So my schedule was pretty insane. But I always kind of saw myself as pretty much a big performer. I managed my energy well, I could focus, I could get things done. But then it was a few years back that I took a trip around the US and Canada. And I spent three months, my first real holiday as an adult. And then when I got back home to Australia, I still had all these big ambitious goals, but within two weeks of landing, I started being hit with depression, fatigue, aggression, which was a real new one for me because I'm not an aggressive individual at all. And it hit really within the first two weeks and it kept ramping up. And what most people do is when they hear that, they immediately ask, well, why did you let yourself go? And the truth was I actually hadn't. I was working with a PT twice a week. I was doing six days of CrossFit. And if you've ever tried CrossFit, that shit is hard. (laughs) Like it's insanely, it's not just mentally challenging, it's physically challenging, but I found it rewarding. I was following a meal plan from a nutritionist. I was seeing doctors and I was following all the self-help strategies as well as the advice from the doctors, although the doctors couldn't really fault what I was doing at the time. And it didn't matter what self-help strategies I applied. They used to work in the past, but all of a sudden they just no longer had any effect whatsoever, even through meditation visualization. And the symptoms that continued to ramp up and obviously in that state, I just continually got frustrated because I think like most people out there, if you are depressed or anxious or you do become suicidal, There are so many people that are seeking the help from the professionals, but they're not getting the answers that they need. They might be asking the right questions, but of the wrong people. And they're just not quite sure who to go to. And I found myself in that situation. So it was really in March of 2017. I saw a doctor. I asked for a testosterone test. She refused it. She said most people just have to accept that they'll never work out why they're fatigued. Now, (laughs) at that point, I felt like walking out in tears. I thought, you know, I'm going to the professionals and this is the advice that I'm getting. There should be a willingness to rule in everything in or out, but not just automatically dismiss it. And that's when I came up with this crazy book idea because I thought the only way I'm going to get healthier is I focus all the little energy that I have in this particular area. So I pitched the book idea to Entrepreneur Magazine, I'm a contributor for. I said, look, you know, I've got this idea to go on this 90-day mission to biohack my way back to health, but I don't know what the outcome's going to be. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if I'm going to get any answers which is a pretty big risk for a publisher to take. (laughs) And it was several months later, they got back to me and they just jumped on the idea and it kind of spread from there. It certainly wasn't an easy journey. It was extraordinarily challenging. Yeah, I bet. See, this is, 
this fascinates me because I don't know how a doctor could, do you think it's just a lack of wanting to even go down that rabbit hole of like, because that's a whole other thing because some of these doctors are just so, they get so stuck in their box that they've been taught this and they don't want to even think about, you know, going outside of that. Do you think that was part of it? I think there's a couple of parts to it. I think there's a lot of biases that they have based on yeah. their own training. And you've also got a question, when was that training done? What is that continual education that they're doing on a yearly basis? Yeah. Um, second of all, the system certainly isn't set up. It's to treat diseases, not prevent diseases. Yeah. And if we look at, if we go to a typical GP, we may only get five to 10 minutes with that doctor. Now, I, it still bemuses me. How can someone come up with a comprehensive diagnosis in five to 10 minutes? Yeah. Like it, it's, it makes it's, no logical it's, sense to me. It's mind boggling. And especially now when you look back and like studying hormones and I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause I, I went and had a panel done and most of us have low testosterone. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's a fact, right? because of so many things that we eat, lack of testosterone and so many foods. I mean, it's, it's amazing that now after hearing that and hearing you say that as well about getting a panel done, that that isn't a protocol for every doctor. No. And I was pretty shocked at the time because I said to the doctor, I'm just like, I'm just trying to find an answer. If it's not low testosterone, then it's one thing I can check off the box that it's not. Yeah. Uh, when I came to the US, I did a testosterone test and I was at the very bottom end of that normal range, which you can exhibit symptoms for. Yeah. So it's, you know, part of this project, I had to look at the biases of a few different you know, fields. Right. So medicine, uh, psychiatric care, ozotherapy, and also the self-help industry. Now, I have a strong self-help background, taught it for years. There's incredible, well-intentioned people out there trying to help others. But (laughs) this whole experience has challenged everything I've ever learned about self-help. And even speaking to a psychiatrist last night, she read my book and now she's changed the entire way that she treats her patients. Because when we look at self-help, the self-help industry typically tends to diagnose excuses, procrastination, fatigue, and depression as a lack of willpower. Right. And that's kind of where it stops. They say, you should be writing in your gratitude journal. You should be reading inspirational books. You just got to go out there and do it. Yeah. But what happens with that segment of the population that self-help isn't going to work for? Yeah. So we surveyed over 21,000 people. And what we found after asking them each 30 questions And the 30 questions were based on digestive health, so the gut-brain connection. Have they had any suicidal thoughts recently or depressive episodes? Uh, Were they able to achieve their goals? Uh, Did they have constipation? Uh, What their energy levels were like? What kind of meals they ate? A whole ton of questions that cover not just biochemistry and psychology. And out of that survey, we found that only 6.7% of people would be considered peak performers. Now, these peak performers, they're cognitive, cognitively functioning how they should. So they can, if there is an issue, they can rationally troubleshoot it and work through it. So self-help, they're a prime candidate to benefit from that because it's just fine-tuning. 
But then there's this 50% of individuals that we uncovered who are depressed, fatigued, their energy goes up and down constantly throughout the day. They may have anxiety, they've got chronic stress, and they have limited, limited access to their cognitive function. And a large portion of them are in their fight or flight mode. So the body, the brain is under a state of distress which means that if you're in that fight or flight mode where it's some, something's gonna attack me or I need to run away from it, you're in your primal mind and you're not in your rational prefrontal cortex, which is in control of rational thinking and emotional control. So if you give someone like that psychiatric work to do, to try and rationalize things when they're just simply not in that state of mind, that might give them a quick boost in motivation momentarily, but it's certainly not going to help them get well. Yeah. <clears throat> that makes total sense because that's the thing. I mean, if you're not taking care of your, your body, your kingdom, I mean, you can read as many books as you want. It's yeah. especially now after, um, you know, really fighting for myself, getting in tune with my body. Like I know when things aren't, the more you start to kind of, learn about yourself, what works, what doesn't, the more you start to realize how important it is and having that awareness of what you put in your body. You know, you can read all the, you can do all the positive stuff and all that stuff can help, of course, but you have to be mindful of what you put in your body. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's... <laughs> and it's also, uh, like, even in my case, I was following a meal plan from a nutritionist, but I was getting sick. And it's not just, you know, pulling off a healthy meal plan off a website online. And what I uncovered in the book is I was hoping to be able to research a particular diet that was kind of would work for everybody. Yeah. And the simple case is there is no diet like that whatsoever because our biochemistry is as unique as a fingerprint. And for me, the nutritionist had introduced coconut oil into my diet, which we all know has been like this insane health craze. Well, I later found out through a food sensitivity test that that causes inflammation in my body and my brain. And I get hit with brain fog within 24 hours, depression, and I also become aggressive, which is not, not outrightly hitting anyone, high-fiving no, yeah. yeah. someone in the face with a chair or anything like that. Yeah. But, it was one of those triggers that, you know, you think you're doing the right thing, but it's just, it's something that goes under the radar. For sure. And there's this incredible story, which just really hit me and struck a chord with me, which is Ruth Wallen, who's written a book about her caffeine allergy. So she was sent to a mental hospital with bipolar disorder, uh, severe depressive episodes and other psychiatric issues and none of the doctors could work out what was wrong with her and then this doctor thankfully came along and found out she had a severe caffeine allergy which was mimicking those depressive and bipolar episodes and when you look at that it's not to say everyone's allergic to caffeine or coconut it's individual by individual basis but we need to be aware that things such as food sensitivities, nutritional deficiencies can mimic psychological disorders. Mm. So the best way for people to kind of understand it is it's one coin, there are two sides, one psychology and one's biochemistry. But the truth is the coin doesn't exist without both of them. Yeah. And one affects either one. 
Now, if someone has a psychological trauma, then yes, of course, that will impact the physiology, but all their emphasis in the self-help field is just on psychology alone. But we rarely ever look at, okay, what's your biochemistry and biology doing that could be triggering episodes of anxiety and depression? Mm. The inflammation is a big one that we just don't really think about or ever talk about, to be honest. Yeah, that's, it's fascinating because we're told, we're told to have these things and they do, you know, stuff like coconut oil and, and coffee you had an issue with too, right? Yep. Coffee, <laughs> Dutch, dark chocolate. I had a mate over yeah. from Australia when I was in the process of researching the book and because he was from Australia, he wanted to buy all of the American chocolate and we kind of, of binged. I felt like shit for five days after that. And Isn't that it, it's interesting for me, it's not the caffeine that I have a sensitivity to. It's actually the coffee. Right. So I can have a strong tea like I've got right here. No symptoms whatsoever, but coffee for me is a trigger. See, the, I remember the last time we talked too, we got into this coffee discussion and I can definitely tell like the other night I had, I had way too much coffee during the day and at night, I literally felt depressed. I was like, what is, what is happening right now? Now, I still love coffee and I think, I, I, for me, I, I knew that I overdid it, but it really, it really can bring on those feelings that if you have too much, it can, it can bring on depression, no doubt about it. I mean, Yeah, and it's, it's not just the too much aspect of that. It's even the little bit. Yeah, for sure. You may feel slightly off your game. You might not yeah. be depressed, but the coffee still could be that trigger. Yeah. Uh, they're obviously, like I'm from Melbourne, Australia, which is like the coffee capital of the yeah. world. So it kind of hurts me not to have coffee, but it's just not worth paying the price. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like, I, I, I know as well, because I went off it for seven weeks and, and I almost am like, I'm wor- it's worth it for me just to have that taste. Then after I'm like, yeah. oh. <laughs> But so what, what interests me is, is how did you know though that it was, how does somebody know that it's depression and not just you know, how do we, how do we, that word, you know, it's like, how do we know that we're not just having a bad day or how do we know that, like, wh- how did you define that to yourself? Like, did you, you know, because yeah, there's so well, many ways it can show up, you know? Yeah. A, a bad day for me is something, you know, you, you have an off day, but next day you kind of recovered, you've reset, yeah. you're good to go. Yeah. The depression is something that sticks with you. It's very much a cloud hanging over your head that no matter what you can, what you do, you simply can't lift it. Right. And it's important to recognize that everyone experiences depression very differently. For sure. And for me, I grew up on a cattle and cropping farm, which was the no excuses, kind of toughen up sunshine and just get it done. So part of that through my depression was that I was able to push myself for a couple of hours in the morning to at least get to the gym, do at least three hours of solid work in the morning. But by the afternoon, I was having three to four naps just to get through the day. But when I recognized that, and through self-help, I'm a very aware person, I really had to schedule my activity around my depression at the time because at the end of the day you've still got to have cash flow coming in yeah especially if you're a business owner interesting well i mean just to be self-aware though of that is super important i mean some people don't even understand that those feelings or they just think it's normal so they'll go and drink Uh or they'll go and seek these things but really they don't even know that 
how they're feeling isn't, isn't normal. You know, they, well, it's considered the norm, but really how much better they could feel. They're just not aware. Yeah. And it is the new normal. These yeah. symptoms like coffee, for example, if yeah. it's just a low level sensitivity, it kind of creeps in and it becomes your new normal. So you would yeah. never ever recognize and put the two things together that, yeah. holy crap, that's the trigger. Yeah. And, you know, when we look at all of this stuff and self-awareness certainly helped me get through this whole, whole experience. But I also asked the question at the very start, which is, like I mentioned earlier, why does self-help work for some and not for others? Mm. And one other question I proposed is, well, what would happen to a peak performer if you depleted them of vitamin D, magnesium, you exposed them to inflammation or side effects from medication? We have a huge body of research that shows the symptoms of any of those attributes would most likely cause depression or suicidal thoughts in those individuals. Now, peak performer, if they've got that psychological strength as their background, they'd be able to push through willpower for a set amount of time. But I tell you what, they're eventually going to pay the price. And when we look at self-help and we kind of idolize all of these gurus who look like they're working 24-7 and never have a down moment, but if we were to peel that back and actually do some blood tests, and I would love to see a research study done on this, to actually have all the blood tests, gut health tests done of all the peak performers, not athletes, because that's a total different area, psychological peak performers. But I think we'd probably find one of two things. One, they are a true peak performer and everything biochemically and psychologically is in alignment. The other, we may find that they put on a good front, but the truth behind the curtains isn't necessarily what it seems and they could be struggling in other aspects. It's just not public knowledge. Yeah. And I think that's the case in so many, yes. um, you see that and you see the good, you see the highlight reels on social media and it's, yeah. it's kind of the reality that we're in, you know? Um, so, I mean, for you, for instance, okay, you're, you're going through depression you're, you know, you're starting to realize, okay, I need to get these things done. I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive to this. So what, what would you, so you, how do you get, how did you get out of the funk and start to kind of really like, what was, what was like a daily practice or was there some sort of non-negotiables that, that for you kind of prime you up and that kind of allow you to be like, all right, I'm in a funk, but I'm aware of this. Now, what can I, what, what am I doing today to sort of get me out of this funk? from the yeah. knowledge that you know? Yeah, so there are some basic questions and we're actually about to launch a biohacking journal in January to help bring people back to the basics. I actually have a draft of it here, but some of the questions that I ask on a daily basis are as simple as, am I under physical or mental stress? Right. Like, am I having to do a ton of video filming and editing this week? Um, have I made poor food choices? <laughs> yeah. which is quite often the case, especially on weekends. Am I having any side effects from medication? And that is a big one. And it's not to say that I'm anti-medication, but it's important for people to understand is the medication treating the symptom or the cause and take whatever lab work they've got, go to a functional doctor to have a look at their blood panels to see if there's a link under there that maybe hasn't synced up that maybe something else needs to be treated. Right. Um, other factors, possible nutritional deficiencies, not getting enough sunlight, poor sleep quality, brain fog, 
gut health, fatigue or exhaustion. So there's some of the basic questions that I'll ask on a daily basis, just a little checkbox, because I want to rule everything in or, in or out. And I just don't want to automatically assume it's purely psychological when I may have overdone too much caffeine, for example. And it simply could be that. <laughs> it yeah. might not be anything else. Yeah, and that's that's what I find fascinating. And, and that's what I kind of wanted. To, I'm glad you brought that up because there it could be something just like that. It could be something, yeah. Yeah. something like, hey, don't 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 drink too much coffee or just try going without. Yeah, yeah. and what we've seen is so many people come to us who are going to therapists, they're going to doctors, and they find out they have some simple food sensitivity, which was mimicking the psychological disorder. And they're putting themselves under this intense pressure to go, something's wrong with me. What's wrong with me? Why, why isn't my brain working the way it is? Why aren't I motivated? When it could be one of various triggers mimicking those disorders. Right. And we can't just automatically assume it's the psychological side of things. And to give people a great example, in my lifetime, I've had depressive episodes in my early 30s. But there was a big difference. The time that my depression was from a psychological trauma was after my father passed away. So you can clearly say that that is a psychological event that that needs to be worked through, go through the grieving process. This time it really hit me with a vengeance, but it was very different because there was no psychological disorder, but not psychological disorder, there was no psychological trauma. So you could kind of take that off the table and go, all right, well, what's mimicking this? Mm. What's going on underneath here? And inflammation and nutritional deficiencies are a big one, especially vitamin D. Um, Symptoms of vitamin D may be depression. It's also linked to low testosterone. Uh, Fascinating, I came across an amazing interview by a doctor just a few days ago where she found that her patients who aren't getting any deep sleep actually lack vitamin D and they also have a vitamin B5 deficiency, which is prohibiting their body from being paralyzed at night during deep sleep. Now, deep sleep is also another one because most of us, the standard advice around sleep is your seven to eight hours, great sleep hygiene. But no one's really talking about the specific deep phase of sleep. Unless you're tracking it, you actually don't know. Now, so I use the Aura Ring that tracks it highly accurate. There's been university studies done on it. And when I was at my worst, I found out each night I was only getting about 10 to 15 minutes of deep sleep per night, where I should be getting 1 to 1.5 hours. Mm. Now, speaking to doctors about this is the brain activates a particular system that releases toxins during deep sleep. Now, if you're not going into deep sleep, it means that those toxins aren't being released and they're potentially building up and causing inflammation, which inflammation is also associated to depression. Right. So there are, you know, we have to go down several layers and look past some of the generic advice that's out there because there are these fine little points in there that aren't really highlighted enough. So my aim is to highlight these things that we just wouldn't look at. And that's so important. There's so many factors. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> it's, There's a lot. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy, you know? Yeah. What, so when you're talking about sleep, 
Okay, so there's there's rapid eye movement, REM, right? Yeah. So that is just for anybody listening that's kind of intrigued because sleep intrigues me a lot. So what's the difference between deep sleep and REM? Or are they kind of the same or? Yeah, so deep sleep is the restorative phase where your muscles are being repaired, those toxins are being released, but the yeah. body actually needs to be in a state of, it needs to be paralyzed for that to occur. Okay. So this is where your body isn't moving whatsoever. And literally the only way to track it is to either use a wearable device or do a sleep study. Sleep studies can be extraordinarily expensive. That's why I like the Aura Ring. There is a BioStrap, which is another wearable that you can check it with. But the good thing about the wearable technology that's coming out is a sleep study, it may just be for one night, but that's a really bizarre environment for someone to try to sleep <laughs> with you know, electrodes stuck to your head. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so with something like the Aura Ring in the last couple of years, I've tracked my deep sleep go up and down. And I noticed even just about a month ago, my deep sleep had started declining quite a lot. So I went and had a vitamin D test done. I was deficient. Funnily enough, I live in Florida. <laughs> but the thing with a lot of our buildings right now and sitting looking out the window here, all of the new buildings have heavy tint on the windows yeah. that just don't allow the full spectrum of sunlight to come through. So you might sit next to a window, but you're still not getting vitamin D during the day. Mm. And for me, obviously doing the project, I'm able to align, okay, well, all right, I'll get some vitamin D shots, spend more time in the sun and see if I can correct this over the next couple of months, but not just purely think that I'm just off my game because I'm not thinking positively or I'm not grateful today. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and we pretty, can, pretty simplistic, right? We can, beat ourselves, we can beat ourselves up too about the, all that kind of stuff. You can almost put no. yourself in a depressive funk from not doing your daily routines that you're supposed to do. Yeah, you know, like, There's days you're like, oh shit, I didn't do my gratitude journal today. Oh, I'm such an idiot, you know? Like, <laughs> I've actually really, done that before. <laughs> it's really hard to be grateful for something if your brain isn't functioning how it should. Totally. And for those people that are trying to do it and they can't feel grateful, don't beat yourself up about it. If your brain is in a state of fight or flight, it's going to be really hard to find something that you're grateful for in that moment. For sure. Have you, have you tried those brain map things? Because my, my doctor put, I used to do them and it was testing different areas. I think we might've talked about this before. Yeah. And there was this area where like, it was so in my brain where it was so weak, it was almost operating out of like two out of 10 of its potential because of maybe from my sports injuries or whatever, which blew my mind because I wondered why I couldn't focus sometimes and, and certain areas. And, and then I, you know, my doctor's like, man, your brain is not operating at it. So was we, it, so we tried for, to get it picking up and going again. From memory, that was your prefrontal cortex. I, I'm, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So he would monitor yeah. the waves and there was ones that just weren't, weren't kicking in and sometimes when we we would do the brain map you measure it and i watched like uh, like a podcast with a video and i could see it and i wouldn't move and then we could see it it's starting to pick up again but truly fascinating have you done those brain I, maps i've done one through heart rate variability i don't fully understand the science behind it so yeah. i'm not gonna say it's the be all and end all but the particular doctor that did it to me was about 10 a.m. at a biohacking conference, Dave Asprey's in Beverly Hills. 
And what they uncovered was my brain at that particular time was trying to enter a deep phase of sleep at 10 a.m. in the morning. Oh, that's kind of, I think, <laughs> the same thing as mine was yeah. doing. Now, if you think about the deep phase of sleep, as I just explained, that's where kind of everything shuts down. Right. So you're desperately using willpower to try and fight against this biological function. Yeah. Which expends even more energy, which means you become even more depleted in the following days, months, and years if it's not corrected. So I've been um, I've been using a light. A light training device at yeah. particular times of the day to address that issue but then I've recently and this is the one thing about biohacking you never ever fixed and <laughs> <laughs> it's like self-help people yeah think, I'm gonna read this one book and that'll be fixed until I'm like a hundred years old and I'll die happy yeah <laughs> different environmental factors change so we just constantly adapt but at least have the awareness to go Ah, my vitamin D is off. I'm feeling really tired at 11 a.m. in the morning. Maybe my brain is trying to enter deep sleep. Maybe if I do light therapy, as simple as going out in sunlight or even binaural beats to sync to a different frequency to wake up the brain so it can kind of reset that circadian rhythm. But I, I'm fascinated by that stuff. I love uh, it. Yeah, no, and, and then, you know, because you, you, right when you're talking about how you're in that, that kind of when you're daytime and you feel like you're trying to get into that sleep, that's probably why somebody like myself would gravitate towards coffee because yeah, it, you know, it's like, and, and so many people, how many people out there are going through that where it's, it's like, I need caffeine. It's yeah. like, well, why do you need cat? Like, why do I need caffeine? Like I shouldn't need it. Yeah. Right. And some people use it to treat the symptom, but not the cause. Yeah. And it's, but uh, it, 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 it fascinates me how, we're just kind of scratching the surface. <laughs> There's a lot to this. And what, what I, that was probably the biggest thing about this project. Like I spoke to neuroscientists, doctors, biohackers, clinical social workers, naturopaths, the whole lot. And it was just condensing it down into a formula. And I can share that formula with you guys now if that helps kind of encapsulate it for you guys. Yeah, I... Um... Yeah, any anything. I I love this stuff, and the, yeah. the more we dive down this rabbit hole, the more excited I get. <laughs> it's a, it's a deep rabbit hole. I can tell you that. <laughs> but there's there's one way that I kind of analogy that I share with people that kind of really makes it click for them is I want you to think about your mobile phone. So every single night you plug it in, you wake up in the morning, totally recharged, good to go. But as the day goes on, you've been playing maybe video games or watching videos, podcasts, making phone calls, the battery starts to die. And if it gets to around five to 10%, the power saving mode comes on. Now power saving mode shuts down all of the background tasks. So the screen may go black and white, you can't play videos, you may just be able to make calls and send messages. And we're no different to our mobile device. We really aren't. And the way that I look at it is I get people to imagine that they have a battery reserve that they use throughout the day, just like a mobile phone. So you have zero to 100%. Now we decided to define it into four different identity types because what we found, especially talking to clinical social workers is some of them wouldn't see particular patients at certain times of the day because the patient couldn't do the psychological work. They were too fatigued and they have brain fog. And they found that their identities changed significantly. 
And so if you think about the battery concept, say for example, your energy level is 75 to 100%, you're what I call a catalyst. You're good to go, you've got the mental cognition, your energy's there, you can bounce back, your susceptibility to stress is incredibly low. Below that 50 to 75% charge, we have synergists. So they're, they're kind of on the cusp of becoming a catalyst, but if they push themselves too hard, so maybe too much caffeine or they're doing too many workouts, they've overdone the workout routine, that might push them below the 50% threshold. And below that we have 25 to 50% the guardians and then zero to 25% the defenders. Wow. So the bottom 50% of people we found in surveying the 21,500 people is they're most likely experiencing depression, brain fog, fatigue, their energies always up and down. They're most likely stimulating themselves with caffeine just to get through the day. They may have anxiety. They've got digestive issues. Their diet is off whack and it's just not aligning for them. But if we look at the 50% mark, just like a power saving mode on our phone, I call this what is the key point for turning on self-preservation mode? So self-preservation mode is the point that your body and brain is in a state of distress. Your primal mind has to take over and say, I have to prioritize vital bodily functions and what energy you have left over for those vital bodily functions. And I can't spare any more energy for goals, the gratitude journal, the meditation, the visualization or reading. I have no energy to give to that whatsoever. And if people think of it like this, imagine you're driving up to a T-junction you want to make a right turn because that's your sole purpose. That's what lights you up. That's where your goals are. They're the action steps you need to take. You need to turn right. When self-preservation mode comes on, the brain goes, no, you actually need to turn left to rest and recover because you have an energy deficit. So the energy deficit is the distance between how much energy you currently have versus how much energy you need to achieve those goals and make that successful right turn. So for many people, they get to the T-junction, they know they're capable. Everyone's capable, but it doesn't mean they have access to that capacity to be able to achieve it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a lot. <laughs> That's a, fascinating, man. It's I, think, fascinating. I think it's a good way for people to understand it and not just... And there is the, we've got the free quiz online and they can work out which identity type is, but we have so many people taking our online course and they'll say, holy crap, I'm a defender. And defenders is probably only about 5% of the population that we surveyed, but they're the ones that need to get to a functional doctor ASAP. They even may need emergency psychological care, but there's well over 50% of individuals that are still struggling with depression and fatigue. And it's coming back to the coin analogy. It's asking yourself, has there been a psychological trauma? Am I under chronic stress? Or is it these underlying triggers that are mimicking this dis these disorders that I need to focus on and really break it down from there? Yeah, it's, wow. I, um, I'm just thinking, when thinking about what you're saying and, and, myself how i haven't actually been able to go without caffeine i don't know if i've ever 
Okay. Like it's actually like a struggle for me, even, even just to get into that zone. It, I even, I have to drink tea. I, I like when I went off coffee, I would have tea bags out of three tea bags in my tea, you know? So yeah. it's, it's making me wonder like, Oh man, like, like I don't, that's like a rabbit hole. I haven't even explored yet. Right. Yeah. I've kind of tested it, but yeah. like, who knows what's going on, right? And so many people listening could be going through the same thing. Yeah, and you're substituting, you're trying to make up for that energy deficit through the three tea bags, for example. Yeah. And I do find myself, if I am adding more tea bags to my tea, you know, what, what am I missing here? But I, I do encourage people, if you do just have a lack of energy, you don't feel like you've got the drive and motivation, then have a blood panel done. Check for any nutritional deficiencies because, like I said, they can mimic psychological disorders. Mm. Um, the other thing is to keep a food journal, which would be the basic kind of thing someone could do. Mm. And what we've found is so many people taking the course. We've had a number of people say to us that I've been suicidal on and off for 10 years. I worked out that I'm sensitive to this food. I, and they were just unbelievably grateful. There, there was this one particular guy, a wife, three young kids, and he finally worked out why for the first time in his life. And he'd been under psychiatric care. And they can never address that problem because they didn't look at that rabbit hole, for example. And, you know, oftentimes it can be something really quite simple. But I certainly encourage men to get a testosterone test done to see if it is low. There are numerous environmental factors, especially poor sleep quality that can affect our hormonal issues at levels and even food sensitivities. There's a company here in the US that it's called Everly Well and you can order their food sensitivity test online and you send a blood test in. But what they found is they're planning on doing one of the big food, biggest food sensitivity tests scientific studies in the world hopefully i believe it should be coming up i've got to follow up because there's not enough research done into this particular area because there's really no i guess money for big farmer out of food sensitivities to tell someone <laughs> to stop eating something right <laughs> um but what they're finding is they have countless people take that test have had hormone issues they've been depressed anxious and they've realized it was connected to potentially a healthy or even an unhealthy food. Right. So it doesn't have to be unhealthy. It could just be healthy, like coconut or coffee. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a real eye-opener because it doesn't mean just because it's being promoted that it's going to be good for you. There's not yeah. one-size-fix-all one with this stuff. No. And no, here's, no. The, here's a question too. Sometimes, sometimes when food sensitivities show up, they don't necessarily show up instantly right? They can show up the day, a day or two later, right? Can you maybe help us with that as well? Because sometimes yeah. someone will eat something and then they think, oh, it must be that thing. But really it was something you ate two days ago. Yeah. Um, I did hear from one doctor the other day that it can actually take up to a week to show. Wow. No, I'm not sure if there's any sign, science behind us. I don't kind of want to quote that verbatim, but there can be some kind of delay and that delay may be in the inflammation. It could also have something to do with how fast it's metabolized by the body. Mm. So caffeine and coffee, for example, some people are fast metabolizers, others are slow. 
So I'm incredibly slow. So it's not a good thing for me to have it at all because it's not leaving my system in time for bed, even if I had it at 10 a.m. in the morning. And, you know, even say, for example, when I worked out coconut was a trigger, I hadn't had it for over a month, went to Vancouver, had a Thai curry at an awesome restaurant, not even thinking, like, it's so easy to do. Next day, horrendous brain fog. I felt angry, which I didn't think a food could cause that, which is super bizarre. And it took me about a week to start feeling better. And a great way to kind of, for people to think about it is if you think about a food allergy, which is more serious than a food sensitivity, but a food allergy, some people, a peanut is a great healthy snack. For someone, it's life-threatening. Yeah. And for me, coconut, awesome, healthy option for many. For me, it's going to completely throw me out of whack and I'll become depressed. Yeah. We're each so different that there isn't one stock standard diet. There are certain things that you need to do. So encouraging the gut microbiome, making sure that that's diverse, that can help to reduce sensitivities to certain foods. Mm. Um, And one of the issues that I think I faced when I was traveling around the US and Canada is coming from Australia, I was exposed to all of these different strains of bacteria that I've never been exposed to before. And then at one point, I did have to have antibiotics for a sinus infection, which takes a scorched earth approach to good and bad bacteria in your gut, which allows bad bacteria, specifically candida, to overgrow, which can cause a whole host of other physiological issues, as well as brain fog and intense fatigue. Right. Wow. Very interesting for people. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit. And okay, so... You've obviously, you know, you, you, you went from being depressed, you know, over time and kind of realizing these things and these factors and kind of peeling off different layers of, of the onion from self-development and diet, nutrition and all this stuff. How has this really affected you in the growth as a, in business? Like, has, have you noticed, have you noticed a shift in like your day to day and in reflection to you growing as a, as an entrepreneur and how you show up every day? Like, has it really, you maybe talk to some of the differences that you've noticed in your own performance in, in your business. Yeah. Specifically around the energy levels and you know, the amount of money you make, I believe is intrinsically connected to how much energy you have. Yeah. <laughs> There's, yeah, you, know, you run out of energy. Most entrepreneurs, they'll read a motivational book and they'll do a sprint, not realizing this whole game is a marathon and you need to manage your energy levels on a daily basis. So if I am having an off day, I don't beat myself up with it. I go and take a damn nap <laughs> like, yeah. instead of trying to over-caffeinate through tea or something. It's like, something's not right here. I'm just going to go and five, 10 minutes, sleep it off but not just automatically start blaming myself. And that for me, especially through the identity types, like taking a 60 second quiz and going, you know what, today I'm a guardian, something's off, but that's okay. It's momentary. I'll make some changes so I can pick up again tomorrow. Mm. But I do structure my day in a very particular way. So every single morning I'll do a, a visualization and the way that most entrepreneurs do and why visualization is so important is 
most entrepreneurs and startups kind of get it. They start of the day, they have a long task list, but it's not really, they haven't given their brain a roadmap for how they're going to work through that task list. And it's kind of like taking out a pack of cards and throwing the cards all over the room and they're kind of all scattered all over the floor. The brain's got to make sense of everything. So through the visualization, I'll visualize the tasks that I've got to do during the day. See myself happy, completing, focused, if it's writing work, seeing myself writing at the computer, not looking up, not being distracted by anything. I'll even visualize overcoming particular challenges that may be in the business up until the end of the day, into the next day and even into the next month. I'll rewind it, fast forward, rewind, fast forward. And what it does is it tricks your subconscious mind into thinking you've been there and done it before. So there's nothing to worry about. Which, if you take the fight or flight out of all of the entrepreneurial work, it just frees you to get into the zone the second you start working. And the other thing, the reason that I fast forward into the next month is because most people visualize up to a set point in time. And the best example is a wedding, like Bridezilla, (laughs) is that... They're visualizing everything is pinned on this certain moment or for entrepreneurs, a contract or making sure there's enough money to pay the rent. Everything is pinned on this specific event. And it's as if life doesn't exist after that. So it's, they've created this fear that's imagined. First of all, it's simply perceived. But what happens is if you visualize past that event, you suddenly relieve the pressure. It's like a kettle and the steam coming out all of a sudden. Mm. And it allows you to sink into the moment. And it's something that, especially for entrepreneurs, I'll visualize money bursting out of my cupboards and out of my drawers, just creative processes like that. So it really solidifies it. Mm. That's one of the best practices that I've probably used for over 10 years now. And it's really, here's the roadmap for the brain, now the brain can just do its job and you trust it. So instead of forcing the brain to do its job, it's, it's, it knows what it's got to do. You just haven't given it a, a roadmap to work through. Yeah, and we, a lot of people will just jump into their phone right away too, right into reactive ah, mode too, right? Absolutely. And this really does help to calm the fight or flight response, especially if there are certain things that you're anxious about. And I used to do this when I was doing a lot of speaking engagements in Australia up in front of a thousand people. And I also anchor it with NLP as I'm kind of walking up on the stage. So if you ever see me up on stage, you'll see I click my fingers as I kind of get up. But there are so many events that I've spoken at hundreds where I've gone off stage and I'll go, I have no idea what I said, but I know it was the right thing at the right time. (laughs) Because you actually trusted your brain you already know all of the knowledge. It's not about not knowing it. It's about taking the break off and preventing access to it, mm. kind of relieving that pressure. And that, yeah, that one is an incredible practice and it's so simple and easy to do. Touching on a lot of good things here. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this myself because, you know, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of really, really good stuff that, that people that they just applied into their life would make things a lot easier. And if you don't take that time to sort of prep your brain for the day, then you're, you're not taking control. You're not putting yourself in the driver's seat. And I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of the whole idea, right? You want to be in control. 
And for entrepreneurs especially, it's important for them to understand you can't pay a high psychological price without paying a high biological price. Mm. And that biological price will always catch up with you no matter what you do. And it's just, it is constantly about self-management. We're never fixed, (laughs) ever. Um, We just need to manage these things and adapt as they come up. If I am having an off day, just don't automatically blame it's your psychology. Like it could be something, you might have inflammation, you may have eaten something or side effects from medication. Right. Is there anything, because I mean, you've talked to some amazing people, right? Some people that I've looked up to for years, Dr. Mercola, you know, Dave Asprey, just to name a couple. You know, what is something that when you're on the other end, when you're getting talked to and chat, what is something that you wish you got asked more often or something that you wish that you got to talk about more that doesn't get addressed enough? I always, you know, Uh, there's certain, there's certain things that we, especially when I go on podcasts or when I, when I get interviewed, there's always that theme that you get asked. Well, not always, but for me, it is right now it's usually about my story and, and how I did this or whatever. Is there anything that you kind of wish to be like, shit, I, w- I wish I got asked that more often. I want to talk about that. I think because I've done so many interviews lately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as, I, as I showed you before, the call, yeah. like, I'm, I'm insanely prepped with yeah. all the Amazing. Nights. So I got to make sure that I kind of weave it in there. Even yeah. might, might be a little bit of a tangent, but I think probably... <sighs> I think it's why does self-help work for some and not for others? I, I think love that, yeah. That, that's where a lot of my emphasis is really on right now in that we've had so many people have been depressed and suicidal finally get help and finally get answers and it wasn't what they thought it was. Yeah. And that's really empowering them to take away that aspect of self-blame. Yeah. And I was interviewed by another psychologist a while back and she said, you know, the hustle until you die culture is doing so much harm in that if someone isn't able to hustle, they start to automatically blame themselves. Yeah. And they automatically blame psychology and a lack of willpower when a lack of willpower might be a symptom, not a cause. And one thing in the book that I looked at is you know, what if, a, what if an excuse was a symptom but not the cause of inaction? So then what is really the cause of making an excuse? And that's where I came back full circle to this self-preservation mode. And the T-junction is that you know, my brain actually needs to rest right now. It's trying to do what it was designed to do, which is to put the brake on if I'm pushing myself too hard rest and recover so I'm good to go again. And it's really important that people start asking these questions. You know, why has some self-help worked for me in the past, but why isn't it help working for me right now? And it could be because of these physiological factors. Yeah, that's, yeah, there, there's so many things and it's, it's fascinating because, yeah, and, and you get down on yourself if, some people had success with a self-help book or a couple and then you don't. I, I myself included, you know, you, you wonder, you're like, well, why am I, why are they getting the results? 
you know, but there could be uh, yeah. so many, th- so many different things. I wonder how many millions of people have asked that question. I'm reading <laughs> these self-help books, but why aren't I a freaking millionaire right now? It's uh, why don't I feel great? And why can't I do all these things that other people are doing? And, you know, we have to realize with self-help and like, I'm a huge fan of it and it's great for the top 6%. Yeah. But what about everyone else? Mm. And you know, it is a glamorized version. And it's one thing that I, one reason we did the book the way that we did, which is to write it in a documentary type style was for people to understand, even though I was going through this 90 day mission, the first 30 days I wanted to quit. Like, I just wanted to give up because I didn't think I had the energy to keep going at that point in time. And some people find before you get better, things can get worse. And I think part of it was I'd literally signed a book contract to get healthy, ultimately. So growing up on a farm, it's you always do what you say you're going to do. So that was always in the back of my mind. Mm. But it was also just recognizing that I didn't want people to go through what I had to go through because I was very lucky and that through Entrepreneur Magazine had opened up a lot of doors to doctors and neuroscientists that I typical person doesn't get access to and I think it's important as we learn these lessons we should pass them on to other people to help support them but it's you know every part of this process was hard (laughs) I'm not going to pretend it was easy it was a challenging process but a rewarding one without a question is there so you do a lot of content and I urge all you guys uh listening and we'll we'll tell you where to find it all but um is there anybody because you do a lot of interviews, like I said, is there anybody that really impacted you that maybe caught you off guard or somebody that stood out as like, wow, that's, that's a powerful, that's a powerful human right there. Like that really, that really struck a chord with me. Do you know what? It was Jim Quick. Oh yeah. Jim Quick, the brain and memory expert who's worked with like the Clintons and next men and all those people. I was lucky enough to interview him in Beverly Hills a while back. But we were doing the interview and he's on camera, the video is up on my on YouTube yeah. channel if people want to watch. But we kind of finished the interview and I even said to the publicist, everyone in the room that was watching this just was kind of zoned out. So how do I put it? Zoned me- in, but zoned mes- out. Mes- mesmerized. They were just mesmerized because he has a very calm way of talking and it was just i don't know if it was you know how sometimes people listen to barack obama and it really calms them down others it makes them super angry yeah (laughs) but jim i don't know if it was his cadence it wasn't just what he was saying because anyone could say the same thing and it probably wouldn't have any impact whatsoever but it was just like what just happened (laughs) i wasn't expecting that his delivery is easy for you to digest and it keeps people calm yet still elevates your emotion so that you absorb it right yeah it was very hypnotic yeah that was the kind of general consensus of the room because honestly i just thought it was me and him in the room (laughs) and there was like 10 people behind us that's amazing (laughs) but it was yeah it's so good sorry i'm I, i always get so energetic no uh i um that's the thing though. This is the thing that also interests me is that there could be so many things, so many ways to say it, but you know, 10 people could say it. And then the 11th person just has that way of, 
of connecting it with you so that you're like, ah, I get it. Right. Certain people have that gift and it all comes down to that communication, you know, that ability to connect with the human being, raise their emotional level so that it's like almost like an excitement and then plant that seed so that you remember it. And, but in a calm way that keeps you, you know, almost grounded. And it, yeah, it was interesting because I interviewed a lot of different people for the book and some people had been through the depression, anxiety, stress and trauma, but it's been such a long time that the way they talk about it is so disconnected. Yeah. So it's hard to kind of connect with them on that basis. And that's why I wrote the book kind of aspects were in real time when I was at my worst because I wanted that raw emotion to come through, not to have to look at hindsight of how I was feeling. Mm. And it's, you know, when someone's depressed or anxious, stressed out, the last person you want to connect with is a super overly positive individual who's hyperactive. Yeah. <laughs> like, get lost. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Get out of my face. Yeah. And that that's one of the reasons why even the book trailer and one of our other videos is it's kind of super dark compared to what's out there in the health market right now because you have to connect with people where they are at that point in time mm. and just you know, going through my own experience, there's certain things that I know I could do more work on, but at the same time, I don't want to because I don't want to lose that rawness. Yeah. Um, and I think it's you know, certainly not hurting me in any sense, but I think it's, it's a useful tool to help others to right. reach them at their level where they are. Right. How, how important has aside from writing this book and I, I mean, it's, this book is powerful, man. How important has your content, like your video content been for your journey? Because you've been doing it for a while. It's very, everybody that YouTube, like his content is awesome. You've done work with entrepreneur magazine, but how, how important is that for the entrepreneur coming up? at having good content, having that good personal branding image and really being able to communicate with the audience. Because I mean, you've done a great job and it's obviously mm-hmm. helping you with your, with your growth as an entrepreneur. You know, how important has that been in your journey? It's been everything. And because I come from a social media and PR background, that was always the top of the list for the launch of the book as well to communicate yeah. to people. Yeah. Um, the content, you know, when entrepreneurs are starting out developing their own videos, just allow yourself to make mistakes and have fun. Because I know in the very early days, I was so overly stressed out about, is that couch too close to the back of the wall? There isn't enough depth or the light isn't right or this isn't happening or what I'm saying isn't right. And there was one particular video, it's called Who Am I? which I shared on Instagram a little while ago, where I actually cried after I filmed the video. That's not on camera. But that was actually one of my lowest points. And it was that time where I kind of thought, can I swear on this? Yeah. (laughs) I I just kind of thought, fuck it. I'm just going to put it out there. And I was really scared about releasing it. And what happened because it was such a raw video is that I had a cancer patient come up to me in an event who actually almost made me cry at the time and said, I've been watching your video every single for the last couple, 
every single day for the last couple of months to get through. Because there's, there's a line in there which is you can't deny yourself. Mm. And it just really, it's resonated with a lot of people. But in terms of content, you can be overly scripted. I know the videos that I just jot down a few notes and just jump on camera are the ones that I get a great response to or the more cinematic ones. Um, it is a lot of work because <laughs> the, as you know, even doing podcasts, but you have to prep for it, the lighting, the setup, the video editing. So some of the video editing on our videos may take a couple of days, which is still a relatively quick turnaround time. But if you're producing one every single week, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, and we're about to go, that's my job this afternoon is to do my video schedule for the rest of the year and the launch for the journal that we've got coming out. But wow. the video content really was the most successful part of this book launch. Yeah, that's, it's so important because I think as entrepreneurs too, we feel that pressure almost that we need to have that video and it has to be consistent and it has to be but at the same time, again, you can't beat yourself up because, yeah. you know, you see people like Gary Vee and Grant Cardone just pumping out content. And it's so like, man, like. One thing we have to understand is those guys have teams around them. True, yeah. They're being followed. <laughs> They're literally being yeah. followed on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. And for me, like, I mean, this project, I put a lot of money into it. Yeah. But it was my partner and I, with my most of the videos the documentaries so we're done on a samsung phone okay that's good to know uh, yeah that's it that's great to know for everybody you don't have to go out and get an expensive camera see i have an no. iPhone, iphone x or 10 whatever the hell you call it and yeah. i always question i go back and forth i google what do i need for youtube videos do i need yeah. this and i'm like should i get a new one you know so I, I have to, I've got to admit, I like, I love my Apple Mac, but I hate the Apple phones. Okay, fair enough. The Samsung has three cameras on it. Oh, okay. With three different layers of focus. I know Apple's just come out with one. Yeah. But we filmed like interviews with Dave Asprey. The documentary style ones will do with this camera and it looks like a professional camera. Awesome. And then I have like a Sony a handy can that I probably it needs updating. I've had it for about six years now, but it still does a great job. Awesome. But I'll use that camera if I'm kind of like at home or doing green screen kind of production. So I mix between those two. You certainly don't need to spend a lot of money. I have a softbox light behind me that's, you know, two of those will see back maybe $130 now. You don't have to spend a lot. Awesome. Yeah, I urge everybody to check you out. Where can we find you, Ben? Let's let's get you. Let's get everybody in the right path here to find your book right away. Everybody's got to go buy right now. Yeah, so they can go to Audible. The Audible version was just released and went top ten internationally for health books only a couple of weeks back. Awesome. Um, also, of course, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and they can also go to areyouunstoppable.com and take that free quiz to see which identity type they are. Because it may surprise them. Yeah, I, um, I'm actually going to do that too. I've been meaning to do that. And that I, I love this stuff because there's just so many like really um, unique ways of things that you're talking about that I'm like, oh shit, I, I want to like that really interests me. And I know people listening are interested too, you know, because there's such a broad, there, there's a broad spectrum of things. But when you get specific on those little things, I think it really becomes interesting. It's the personalization and like for entrepreneurs, I recommend the interactive component. So the quiz, 
the videos also brought each chapter of the book to life. So you want to look at, I call the technique Jump the Shark, which is a producer technique in TV where they come out with some insane, crazy storyline to reboot the show to get an audience. And I literally use that on one of my team members today. We need to come up with new videos. We're going to jump the shark. So let's think about what crazy stuff that we can do this time around. Oh, that's exciting. What else are you working on that people can keep an eye out for? Oh, it's the, the journal is the big one. So that's going to be a full three to four month launch campaign with you know, Instagram takeover and Entrepreneur Magazine's account, which is what we're starting to prepare for. But, you know, just for entrepreneurs to know, this book launch took 12 to 14 hours a day for four months. Wow. <laughs> I was lucky that I was able to buy a hack myself because I wouldn't have been able to do it otherwise. But right. it was kind of, if you're going to go in, go all in, they'll look after your health. Oh, I love it. And what about uh, social media? You're on all social media. Where's the best place to connect with you? Yep. Uh, Instagram is the most popular right now. I think that's getting the most interaction. Just type in Ben Angel and you'll see me pop up. Awesome, man. This, this is, I, I really appreciate you coming on and hanging out, man. This has been a lot of fun. Again, the time flies and I know you got a busy schedule. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I really, uh, truly appreciate it, man. I love talking about this stuff. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh man, a pleasure is all mine and everybody else listening. I always got one last question to ask. I ask everybody, it's my one staple question. Out of all the things you've been through growing up, going through adversities in business, in your own body, in your mind, what is the one thing or the one number one lesson that you have learned from adversity that you can have, that you, have, you can apply today to help other people get through? Well, actually this is random and just popped into my head, but after my father passed away, the day we laid him to rest was the day that I had to also bury my identity with him for who I believed I used to be. And I think through this process, we shared our identities consistently throughout our lifetimes. And it's okay to let that go, but just make sure you have a clear vision of who you're becoming next. And sometimes the distance between who we are and who we want to become is a great distance to travel, but life happens in the middle of that journey. And that's where happiness is experienced. So enjoy this moment right now. Wow. Awesome. Sorry, that, that, that went deep. Was that's <laughs> deep. That's good. That's, that's awesome, man. Again, thank you so much. Everybody check out Ben Angel. He's all over YouTube. You check out his book, Unstoppable. I'm really excited, man, to see you just continue to kill it. And, you know, you're always stepping up the game. So guys like myself, and the, and the female entrepreneurs, all of us have to uh, yeah. constantly level up. And, and you're somebody that is definitely um, putting the, setting the bar very high. So thank you. Thank you. That makes a lot. All right, everybody. Ben Angel, everybody. Take care. Thanks so much, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. If you got value from that, leave us a review. Share this with a friend. Share University of Adversity with a friend if you feel it would add value to their life. Subscribe. Leave a review. All that good stuff. It all, it all I really appreciate it. And of course, go check out Ben Angel. Go check out his book. Go buy his book on Amazon. He's also got it on Audible, Unstoppable. Really powerful book. And I love how he's really honing in on people who where self-help doesn't help everybody. Certain books don't help everybody to really kind of hone in on how important your nutrition is and what you're feeding your body and how you're currently operating. And I hope you guys really got value that from that because I know I did. Um, make sure you check him out. Guys, I, I really, really appreciate you taking the time 
And I hope you got massive value from that today. And as always, I love and appreciate all of you. So have a beautiful day. We'll catch you next time. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.